With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to episode 116 of GigPod. It's been a weird week, mixed emotions really. A certain legend missed a penalty to ensure a nightmare summer never went ahead last Wednesday, and the last day of the English Premier League turned out to be a real Super Sunday, and well done to Leeds United as well for staying up. Legends. That said, Spunk Phone, for some reason won the GigPod Legend Award, and we actually do now have to cope with the fact that Tom Rogic and Neil Beaton will see out their careers elsewhere and not at Celtic. Rizzo, the listeners wanted more video content, so this is getting filmed as a trial to give them a visual representation of our hilarious antics. The big question now is, are our listeners okay and should they maybe seek help for actually wanting this on the uh, reg? Oh, they should definitely seek help for, first of all, voting Spunk Phone as a podcast legend of the year. I mean, come on. He's hell of a own in his legendary year. I can't believe it. If they saw that beard he had, then they definitely wouldn't have voted for that. And they truly are bizarre if they want more video content. But we'll offer, we'll give them the content they want. And I suppose I'll even be on the videos sometimes as well, under duress. But no, as usual, we'll do what the fans want in GigPod because we are all about the fans. Do you know what I was actually thinking as well? I was thinking, you're going to slag me here, that I was going to maybe do a video or two every week for the next maybe month or so up at Celtic Park, just documenting things that are happening at Celtic. And then I thought to myself, I've got bloody better things today in my time, John. <laughs> I actually thought you would, because I know how emotional you get about Celtic, even more so than me. Uh, like the your constant crying during the season. But, well, it's up to you. I, uh, I, keep in the, I keep in the background, Doris, of course. I have to say, I, I've just remembered something before we got on to the Tom Rogic and the near beat on. Uh, 
part of the podcast and we talk about the the poll results. Are we doing that in the next episode or this episode? We are going to be talking about the poll results and the award show and we'll plug that at the end of the show. Well, that is your responsibility, John. I will do, but I've just remembered that in a rare occasion when we went out to watch the Dungeon United Celtic game, you admitted that I was right when I blew off the handle when you were going to be content with a draw Ibrooks. Basically, basically, basically what you're trying to do is get me to say Johnny was right. Yes. Okay, you were right and I now see why you were stressing out in that game at Ibrooks because I think realistically, if you, you saw me, we were six points clear and like, what, 50 goals or something ahead and I was still stressing out to the point where I actually deleted John. You might want to tell the audience now, at the end of the season, we can have a wee bit of a laugh. What I did with a certain photo when we went nine points clear against St Johnston because I was a massive paranoid wreck. Friend of Gigpod Dallas took a picture of us in the pub after uh, the St Johnston game, and I think we'd we put nine fingers up, and you insisted that we delete it in case like we didn't win the league. So you were worse than me, and I wouldn't have deleted that. But hey, it's up to you. But we did take a better picture after we won the league, so it's all right now. That's a bit of a behind the scenes of gig put there. Now what to Tom Rogic and Neil Beaton? Tom Rogic and Neil Beaton have now left the club. And they did get a fine farewell, didn't they, though? I mean, they got a, a justified send-off at Celtic Park in, against Motherwell. It couldn't have went better. Sun was shining. It was a full house. Party atmosphere. Celtic were fantastic. And it was a deserved win. Tom Rogic and Neil Beaton both got to say bye to the fans and even presented the trophy at the end of it. They get recognised for their efforts over the last nine years or so at the club. And you got to say, we just wish the pair of them all the best, really. I don't know what happened to that game because I was at a wedding. <laughs> no, of course I wish them all the best. They were two fantastic players for Celtic. I mean, Rogic will obviously get more of the attention because he scored the incredible goals and he scored big goals, but... I mean, Beaton had a lot of good moments as well. They maybe were the moments that people remembered as much because they were sort of low profile. And I mean, that's the sort of player he... In fact, they're both sort of low profile players, I think, really. I mean, the thing about Tom Rogic, even, that I always thought was weird, that he would score an amazing goal and he wouldn't celebrate Harley. He'd like sort of just smile and really do much. The only time I can remember him really like celebrating the way it should have been celebrated was when he scored that goal against Aberdeen. But I mean... He didn't really celebrate that much. And like he'd done that, I mean, he'd celebrated a wee bit when he scored that goal at Ibrox when he won 3-2. But no, he was a sort of low-profile type of player, which is weird when you think of the high-profile goals he scored. And sort of similar for Neil Beto, and I felt a wee bit sorry for him in a way because he was a utility man. And you always fear about utility man. It means no good enough for one position. But I don't think Neil Beto would have wanted to be a utility man. I think it just ended up that way because of Celtic's ridiculousness. But no, were, when you think of how... Like the amount of great moments they've had at Celtic over the last nine years and the big games and big goals, they sort of strike me sort of quiet, unassuming type of guys. They're, like sort of, they're the exact opposite of Scott Brown, I'd say. What do you think? Do you agree with that? Yeah, to an extent, although Neil Beaton did have a tendency to also lose the head at times and uh, be a bit ill-disciplined. Certainly I agree with Rogic, though. Complete polar opposite to Scott Brown. But then, John, the weren't ever the same type of player as Scott Brown either. He was like a one-off, wasn't he? I don't think Scottish football will ever see the likes of Scott Brown again. Oh, no, wait a minute, sorry. Of course, uh, John Lindstrom stares at people. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get my dig in. No, they are, of course, are polar opposites. But 
really, this is again about Rogic and Beaton, and we're not really comparing them to anyone else, and it's about celebrating them as players. And you look at the trophy hall, 18 trophies that Tom Rogic won at Celtic, 16 for near Beaton. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? It is, aye. It is just ridiculous in the amount of trophies that they've won, and they're going to be like some of the most honoured players in Celtic's history. I mean, like up there with like, James Forrest as well. And I don't know, in a way I was a bit surprised when Celtic announced they were leaving, but then in a way I wasn't because they only had a year left in their contract and I think that Ange is going to be quite ruthless, although I know he did say that he wanted both of them to stay, and understandably as well, because they're both very useful players. But I think there's still going to be like some more changes at Celtic and James Forrest will probably be the last, and Carl McGregor, but really James Forrest will be the last man standing for like, the last decade, because everybody else is away. So, in a way, I was a bit surprised, but then I can understand them wanting new challenges. I mean, they've both been here for nine years. They've done everything with Celtic. They've won everything. They've, like, beat Rangers numerous times. Well, they've even played in, like, the Champions League back in the good old days when we were in that fairly regularly. So, no, I mean, I, I was slightly surprised, but then, in a way, I can understand if they want new challenges. And I'm not really sure where they're going to play. I think they're beating up probably go back to Israel, but... I think Rogic isn't going back to Australia, which is a bit of a surprise. So, I don't know, maybe a team in Qatar or something will come in again. But, no, I mean, it is a pity that they've left. But football clubs have to move on. And we'll all remember them, though, in, in this episode. We're going to look back at their best Celtic moments and even maybe a few of the worst. Right, so, John, I'm going to quiz you on both of these players and who they made their debuts against, right? But we'll start with Tom Rogic now. He signed in January 2013. He made his debut a month later, but he signed from Central Coast Mariners. And if you remember, he was actually signed, well, he started his career via Nike's academy scheme. That was quite well documented at the time as well. But Reid, so who did they make his debut against and what was the score? Was it against Kamarnock? It was not. You're going to be kicking yourself here. It was in a 3-1 win against Inverness away before the Juventus game. Before the Juventus home game, obviously, because that was the first leg, eh? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was before the 3-0 defeat, but that was the same game that Rami Gershon scored in as well. Yeah, we dropped everyone, and we still actually went to a quite difficult uh, venue at the time for Celtic and ran out comfortable winners. But anyway, we're going to talk about our top three goals with Tom Rogic. We're going to talk about our top three moments when he'll beat Tom. And then we're going to come on to the poll that we put out on Instagram where you guys had the chance to vote and we'll talk about what you all voted with Tom Rogic when he'll beat Tom. But I'll start off with myself. So in descending order, John, I chose the goal up at Petodre when we beat Aberdeen 1-0 in 2016. You'll remember it. We were doing GigPod the first time. I talking about doing GigPod. I think we eventually started it in late October. But... That goal at Petodre was sensational. I mean, the way that he took it in the chest, I think he needed it in only one movement, stabbed it past Joe Lewis. And that was a really difficult game because we didn't look like scoring that entire game. Aberdeen were all over us. Craig Gordon, a great guy, of course, made some very good saves and we held on to win 1-0. That was a massive game in the Brendan Rodgers debut season. But that was one of the best goals I've ever seen. And that's what I chose for... One of my top three Tom Rogic moments. It was a brilliant goal. He sort of like passed it into the net and he'd done his usual very low-key celebration. And it was a big game because people will probably not remember six years ago, Aberdeen, unbelievably, were probably our closest challengers then because Rangers was sort of pulling us all together after uh, 
starting again as a new club. Right, interestingly enough, I didn't pick that as one of my three goals. So for my goal at number three, I'm going to go for his incredible goal at Ibrox. One of a few he scored against Rangers when we beat them 3-2. When after we'd given away in, uh, I think, March 2018, when we'd given away an early goal uh, to Josh Windass and like Rangers were hyped and pumped up for the game, good old Tom managed to quiet them down with a brilliant swerving shot and then a top corner of the net for like 25 to 30 yards and he, he did a nice wee cup the year celebration. The type of goal was completely different, but the timing was similar to his goal at Ibrox last month. Well, the Rangers had scored early. They were really pumped up and going for it. And then we scored and took the window at ourselves for a bit. And they managed to injure David Bates at Aberdeen as well. And the same move as he scored, which was just weird. But no, that was a brilliant goal. One of Tom's many good goals against Rangers, but I think that was his best. Number two for me, the invincible treble winning goal in the third minute of injury time, was it? Slotted it past Joe Lewis in a rain-soaked day at the National Stadium. It was, of course, that same game that I gave you the ticket for, John. You were there with an individual that we cannot name. You both went mental, whereas at that same time, I just stood up and politely applauded and sat back down because I, as everyone now knows, knew we were scoring anyway. Maybe it's because I wasn't at that game. Maybe it's because I wasn't emotionally as invested as I am now with Celtic. It's just because... Everything was such a tap-in. It was just a complete gimme and I expected to win 3-4-0 pretty much every game and didn't help that I wasn't as uh, invested in the manager and all that as well. But anyway, that's stories for another day. I'm sure the listeners already know and have already heard this countless times from Rizzo. But, I mean, it is a truly iconic, one of the most iconic Celtic goals ever. There's no doubt about it. No even recency bias comes into play. It truly is one of the greats. So that is number two for me, John. My number two goal is his goal at Kilmarnock. We beat them one nothing in 2016. I think it was March again. Just a ridiculously good goal where, shortly enough, we were struggling against Kilmarnock under Roney. Now, I actually didn't mean Roney that much, but let's be fair, he wasn't the best manager. And that team were really struggling badly, stuttering to the title. And Aberdeen, I think, were only a couple of points behind us I think maybe only four or five points and if we dropped points that day we'd have gave them a real chance of like catching us which is just unthinkable but no he saved the day as he often did he was about 30 yards out and he turned and just hammered the ball into the back and it was just an unbelievably good goal just a genius goal really and this is one of the few goals that he did actually celebrate by going wild it was just the timing of it, the fact that it was a poor Celtic team that was struggling. In those days especially, we really needed a player to get us out of the mire. And like he did so many times, Tom uh, did the job for us. Just a, a brilliant, brilliant goal. And that goal didn't technically win the title for us, but it just about all but won it for us. Because I think Aberdeen dropped points either that game or the week later or something. But no, I mean, MD saw that goal. A lot would remember it. It was absolutely fantastic. One, he's... One of the best Celtic goals I probably the last 10 years, and I was probably no remember that much because it was a bad Celtic team, but no, that was just a fantastic goal. I remember the one I was in Berlin at the time. I think I might have been texting you, saying how garbage we were and how Aberdeen might... Well, I don't think I actually did go as far as to say Aberdeen may have a chance of winning the league. We were always going to win it. But I remember thinking, are we actually going to go down to like the last day against them? It was... 
a very poor Celtic side who, as you say, John, were struggling and were, you know, just wheezing over the line. But yeah, that was a goal that pretty much ended the title race. And I'm using inverted commas there, if you want to call it that, that day. Fantastic goal by Tom Rogic. Right, number one for me. And again, it's not recency bias, but genuinely, because of the overall factors involved, it was the goal last one for Ibrooks because, as John says, I has been stressing out about this title race with Rangers all season, what he did against Rangers, which was so impressive, John, where he was bodying Rangers in Brendan's second season. And that was a poor Rangers side. You guys like, you know, David Bates, Fabio Cardozo, that Sean Goss. And I think even at that point, Kenny Miller was still playing, actually, but he was done. They were just a bad side. And it did seem like he was a bit of a flat track bully. But that's a good Rangers side he was up against. And he completely bossed that first half at Ibrox. He scored the goal at such an important time. And he was just, you know, key for us that day. And I think if Tom Rogic hadn't scored when he did, Rangers could very well have gone on to win that game. The title, John, might very well have stayed at Ibrox. I think that goal was so key and I was winning the league this season. And it's why, you know, my respect for Tom Rogic is through the roof because he really stood up to be counted. That's a new team as well, John, that went to Ibrox and it was a red-hot atmosphere. You know, they were right in their faces and their fans were just like similar to the 2018 game, but probably more so. They were pure buoyed up for it. And a lot of the players probably hadn't maybe been in an atmosphere like that. Tom Rogic, though, had the experience and the guile to stand up to them all. And he was in the right place at the right time. And he was just so composed when he finished, whereas other players might have panicked for how quickly it came to him. He just made it look so easy, but it would have been very easy to actually miss it or balloon it over the bar or hit it into Alan McGregor. But it was just such a massive moment for Celtic. Personally, that was the moment where I went, yep, Tom Rogic, no matter what, is going to go out in a high. And I can't believe for the last few years I'd ever been doubting him. So well done to Tom Rogic and I wish him all the best. And that is my number one for him. Uh, same here, obviously, and I've always loved him and thought he was one of my favourite Celtic players of the past 10 years. I'm truly upset I couldn't see his last game. Probably would have almost shed a tear. Obviously, I'm too manly for that. Almost would have shed a tear when he went off in the 61st minute. But no, love Tom Rogic. Brilliant, brilliant player. And good luck to him wherever he goes. And hopefully one day he'll be back at Celtic to do the halftime draw or something and I'll beat the game and I'll get the fanboy out, would you believe? Yeah, if, I don't usually do that, but do that for Tom Rogic. Right, so that's Tom Rogic, the great, great guy that he was. And now we're going to go to another great guy, near Beaton. Over to you, Stevie. Signed on the 30th of August from Ashdod for 600 grand. Bit of a bargain, really, when you see the career that he had. Near Beaton, John, who was his debut against? Was that against Hibs? No, clue, Champions League game. Oh, eh, hold on, 2013, uh, Benfica? No, it was away at the San Siro to AC Milan in a 2-0 defeat. That was his first game, blowing hell. Was that the game where uh, Anthony Stokes hit the bar? It was, because remember we beat Hearts at Tynecastle, I think, 3-1 or 3-0 just before it. Pukki scored, Stokes with an amazing assist. That wasn't a game where we gave away two goals in the time, was it? That was another time at the San Siro. Yeah, it was a 3-1 defeat in 2004. Grown. Right, no, I didn't know that was his debut. <laughs> it, it, it didn't start, though, obviously. He came on as a sub. Yeah, he did. And, right. you know, when you think about it, when you're beat on, he came into Celtic at a time when we'd lost Victor Winyama that summer. It was a massive gap to fill in midfield. I don't think any players were going to be found that 
could fill Victor Wanyama's shoes. I don't think near beat on, like, when you look at him physically, he was never a player to match Victor Wanyama, but nevertheless, he did have a good reputation in Israel and went on to have a fantastic Celtic career. We've got our top three. We didn't actually say we're going to talk about the goals from near beat on. It was more moments, wasn't it? So I'll start with yourself. In third place, what was one of your favourite near beat on moments that wasn't a goal? Well, I'm afraid that mine are probably all due to Regency buys for this uh, for this year. But I will uh, give honourable mentions to a brilliant goal he scored up at Kilmarnock in a game I think we drew to each. And then there was another game as well. I think it was against uh, Hapwell Bersheva, I think, when he moved into centre-back and he helped us uh, qualify for the Champions League when we were getting tore apart. I think, that was, uh, I think that was a game as well. So they were two honourable mentions. But in third place, I'm going to go go with a game that I mentioned in uh, the last podcast, the 3-1 win against St. Johnson and Boxing Day. Uh, I say that that was a big game for Ange, and it was a big game for Neil Beaton as well. He was the captain that day because people don't remember this, but of course I would just think about it, there was no fans here, or 500 fans here, because of the COVID restrictions, thank you, the Scottish government. But... That Celtic team had so many injuries and so many players absent through, I think it was COVID, basically, that it was like a B team that we played. And, and to make matters worse, Kyogo got injured after 10 minutes and didn't play for another four months. But near Beaton, he stood up to be counted like he did in difficult situations for Celtic often enough in the past. He managed to like take the game with a scruff of the neck. We were 2-0 up at half-time, but... We did give away a daft goal to make it 2-1. We had like 15 minutes to go. But Beaton wanted the win. And he actually scored, I think, with his only goal of the season. He won the game 3-1. And I know he stood in as captain sometimes. That Celtic team that day really was a B team. I think Barkas was in goals. And, I mean, he hardly played at all this season. And... That would have been costly if we dropped points that day because we'd went into that game six points behind because we'd dropped points the game before against St Mirren. Again, I think the team were ravaged with COVID. But no, they stood up to be counted and near Beaton really was excellent that day. And in fact, I've got a line-up here. Barkas was in goals. Uh, Stephen Welsh was right-back. Liam Scales left-back. Starfield and Carter Vickers. Then midfield was McCarthy, Beaton and Juranovic. And I don't think they played together a lot this season. And their three up front were Tom Rogic, Abada and Kyogo. So that just shows you that how many players were missing for Celtic that day. But we still managed to get the game won. And a big part of that was down to near Beaton. He scored a goal. He helped control midfield. He was a captain. He took responsibility. And that's my number three near Beaton moment. I actually chose a goal that not a lot of people might remember here. But it was won against Ajax in 2015, simply because it's one of the most aesthetically pleasing goals I've seen, the way that he struck the ball. At the time, it put his 1-0 up. Chris Commons fed Beaton, and he just hit it first time past uh, Sillison in goal. It was the way that he hit it. It was just like one of the ones, John, as soon as he, the ball left his foot, you knew it was a goal. Remember watching it in the admin at the time. And I always just remember seeing as soon as Beaton like, was just about to strike it, I said, here's a goal. And I always remember that as just like being such an aesthetically pleasing goal. It's the reason that's uh, number three for me. Wee bit personal there, but there we are. What's number two for you? Well, a few of may have the same choice here. Is your number two his performance at Livingston this season? That's number one for me. 
Can I just say though, number two is the goal we scored against Kamalik in 2015 that I think you've already mentioned. So I wouldn't need to go over that again if you want to talk about number two for you. Well, I'll just make it brief then if you want to see a wee bit, wee bit more. But we're going to Livingston. Hadn't won there, I think, since 2007 or something ridiculous like that. Everybody was really worried about the game. We dropped points against Hibs in a complete snowfest the week before. But Ange picked a team that few people would have picked. He picked James Forrest. He picked Anthony Ralston. He picked a direct message up front. And he picked Neil Beaton. And Neil Beaton was brilliant. Again, he controlled the midfield on that terrible Livingston pitch in a stadium where we are constantly rubbish. But he and Cal McGregor, they knew what had to be done that day. And they helped get us a massive, massive victory. So that's my number two from the beat on. And now on to, do you want to say a wee bit then about that goal that he scored against Kamarnock? No, I'll just go right into number one, which was your number two. It was the Livingston away performance. Everything that you just mentioned, you've covered it, but it was up against Jason Holt and I think Scott Pittman in midfield. I think Livingston had deployed like five in midfield actually against our three. So right away, you know, their tactic was just to swarm us, outnumber us, and it was going to be kick rush for them. But I remember that day when you're beat on. I was worried before the game, thinking they're going to work him into a shoot and he's going to get sent off or he had the potential to do something stupid that day. But no, he really um, proved me wrong. I thought he was a class act that day and he was so vital and I was getting the win. So I was just so impressed with his performance and the way that like Callum McGregor, sort of give Livingston an absolute headache when he advanced on them and he was all around him in the last third. That was my favourite near beat on moment of the season, definitely, but probably ever, just because I went into the game dreading it. I was worried, assuming the worst, and the complete opposite happened. And I was really thankful for it. And in the end, that was one of the seven games that myself and Hamish talked about that were massive and help himself take win the league this season. So, what's number one for you? Well, my number one is from last month, and it's his brilliant cameo at Ibrooks when we beat Rangers 2-1, eh, all but won the title. I mean, and we've talked about that game a lot. The second half, I was panic-stricken that would give away an equaliser and spent most of the time in the pub, hardly been able to watch it. But really, we were comfortable, and one of the reasons we were comfortable was because in the beat one, it was absolutely brilliant. In midfield, it helped us get the ball up the pitch. I mean, people forget that we had good chances in that setting half. Okay, we were under the course for like 90%, but we had good chances and he helped us get the ball forward. He was brilliant on the ball as well. He took a booking for the team as well, which is always smart. And I mean, I'll always remember, and I think it was in like the 95th minute or the last minute injury time, we were on a brilliant run up the wing, like take the ball forward and he just get it took off him by a great tackle. But no, that was just. Everything he wanted Neil Beaton to do, that was what he done that day. I mean, you understand why Ange put him on, because it's a situation he's been in loads of times before. It's like, we're winning, we're only a goal ahead. We need to see you at this win, get this massive three points. Neil Beaton go on and help the team get the win, and that's what he did. And that was a great way, really. I suppose, well, the fact, the way that the game against Motherwell ended, like him being a captain for the last five minutes, that's the best way for his great end, but. His last big moment helped him say, like, win another title. I think eight titles he's won it as that was the eighth. And that was just a brilliant performance. I mean, it was what you want a defensive midfielder to do. Nothing flashy. 
just keep the ball, find your teammates, recycle it quickly. And that's exactly what he done. And look, it's because of performances like that, I can understand why Ange wanted to keep him. Because that was everything that you need to win a, a Glasgow derby. If you're a goal ahead and under pressure, you need a guy that's going to do the dirty work. And that's what he did. And it was a brilliant, brilliant performance. And it was a great way for him to sign off at Ibrooks with another famous Celtic one. And I thought it was brilliant that day. And that's my favourite. That's genuinely probably my favourite near beat moment ever. When you think the nine years has been a lot of highs. But that was such a big win for us. I think in years to come, that how important that game was will really stand out. Because if we hadn't won that game, as we've talked about many times in the pod, I don't think we'd have won the league. And I think winning this league was massive for us. And Neil Beaton was a big reason why we won that. People might not remember, but the half an hour, whatever it was he played, I think he replaced Rio Hitati as well, who had just was exhausted and wasn't contributing at all. Beaton did, and he was brilliant. And that's my favourite ever Neil Beaton performance slash moment for Celtic. And also, John, we did put out an Instagram poll asking the listeners and the people that follow us on Instagram what was your favourite near Beaton moment under Ange? The same with Tom Rogic as well. And what was your favourite moment was theirs as well? 48% of people said that near Beaton's performance when he came on as a sub in April at Ibrooks was their favourite moment from him. So it's not as if you're alone in thinking that, John. Same with Tom Rogic as well. My number one moment was a lot of the fans' number one moment too. Certainly of 2021, 2022, 42% of people said that the goal in the general first half play was their Tom Rogic moment of the season. Um, and shout out to Becker, who messaged to say that it was the goal that won his league. Hard to argue with that, isn't it, really? I suppose, I suppose I. Remember Neil Beaton's performance at Ibrox when he was alongside Christopher Julian in the 2-0 win, and he was at centre-half, and he was excellent that day as well? Ah, yeah, I forgot about that. It was brilliant. That's right. Uh, that completely slipped my mind. Because that game was sort of a weird game, because... That game was like the last half an hour of the the two one one at Ibrox for the entire game because we didn't we done practically nothing except score two goals. I know that sounds weird, but it was because of the the way that it was set up and the way Rangers set up it was weird and yeah they had Joe Aribo at like left wing or something as well. It was bizarre from Gerard. I think they had the uh, the four up front as well and Morelos didn't they play and Morelos had gave us problems as well. So that was just an odd game, but that was the best game we played against Rangers that season. No, because in the other two games we were. Pretty crappy, but no, it was good that day. I if I'd remembered that, I'd probably would have put it up there. But then that was near a title deciding game, and the one at Ibrox last one was the title decider. Really, I don't like. We still had to play Rangers again twice, but that was a title decider, and near beat on more than earned his title winners medal with uh, that performance at Ibrox. Definitely. Now, very briefly, the reason I brought up that high at Ibrox was a particular low at Ibrox last season. 2021, January, we were comfortable in the, the COVID ball season and then for some reason he decides to haul down Morelos after Tavernier's long punt up the park. Rangers going to make it 1-0 five minutes later because Shane Duffy has to come on. Pretty much was a death knell for the 10 that season, wasn't it? Near beat on, a lot of people took out their frustrations on him and to be fair, you can understand it. It was just a complete shit show that whole season, but... There was a few daft moments when you'll beat on, especially getting ridiculous red cards when they were totally avoidable. But again, I don't want to dwell on it. This is a celebration of Beaton and Rogic. That's probably the biggest low was the red card at Ibrox in the few weeks that followed where everybody targeting them and 
lashing out, which wasn't nice to see, but you can understand why fans are raging. So, what's yours? I haven't really got a low point, but as you say, he did have a propensity at times for getting silly red cards. I mean, that one against Midtjylland at the start of the season, well, we were comfortably 1-0 up in the first leg, and then he got a daft red card. We ended up drawing one each. I mean, I think and we ended up, of course, losing 2-1 over there. I think if he hadn't get sent off, would have comfortably beat them and get through the next round of the qualifiers for the Champions League. That game against Dungeon United in, at the end of January, that game we've always talked about is pivotal in us winning the league. We a bad as last minute goal. He was captain that day and he got sent off for just two daft yellow cards. And I, I'll always remember for this season, apart from that game against uh, Rangers, that game against Hearts at Tincastle, well, in the first half, him and Celtic were absolutely brilliant. 2 0 up and cruising. Then McGee away a goal in the second half. Hearts miss a penalty and beat on like easily because they get sent off. It was just. A weird performance, but I really that's what you that's what you got with him. The good and the bad, but thankfully mostly it was good. Very briefly, I think with Tom Rogic not doing it enough in Europe was the big frustration for me. There was one game in particular though against Red Bull Salzburg where we lost two one at Celtic Park. How he got ninety minutes, I'll never know. To be fair, Celtic for some reason up against a four one two one two against an incredibly athletic and fit Salzburg side. Tom Rogic was deployed in centre mid alongside Callum McGregor, where Ryan Christie ahead of him. But I remember Tom Rogic in that first half could not do anything right. Every touch, every tackle, everything that could have went wrong did. I don't know how we get ninety minutes, but there were some games in Europe where Tom Rogic was just a passenger. And unfortunately, this is probably his worst Celtic performance on the European stage. Again, not going to dwell on it. It happens, and I don't think our system in Europe suited Tom Rogic either. But we didn't exactly have an enforcer allowing him to have the freedom to go and express himself on the European stage. So I'll take that into account. The performance against Red Bull Salzburg was probably the Rogic low for me. But that's where I'll stop there. No, I would agree with that. Uh, Just briefly, I mean, look at that Bodo Glimp game where Ange made that mistake when playing him and Matt O'Reilly in the same midfield that just didn't work at all and obviously this is no disrespect to Tom Rogic a player that I love but I think that our performance in Europe might maybe improve next season if we sign an enforcer type player and Tom Rogic is not at Selig anymore obviously and like I don't even know if he'd get in the team for Europe if we do sign an enforcer which I hope we do but no I mean just that's not even really a criticism that's just the way Selig have always lined up Europe and Tom Rogic and you'll be talking about both brilliant players and good luck to them and that's the end of the podcast just about now so over to you Stevie for the first time ever next weekend John not only are we doing the gig pod end of season awards but me you and Spunkphone are going to be on a podcast together in person take it away please unbelievable me you and the old man (laughs) <laughs> no disrespect to Spunk Phone that's an in-joke there but he really should sh- shave that beard he'll probably take some but that when he listens to this but shave, shave that beard you've got to do it but no yes next week one episode it's going to be I was going to say the last episode of the season but it's not really because obviously we'll do more during the summer when like Celica will no doubt be doing stuff and it looks as if we're doing exciting stuff than now I mean with signings but we'll talk about that when they happen but next week the end of season awards slash review whatever it is we're we're going to be in person doing this podcast extravaganza. It's going to be thrill a minute, I'm sure, where the fans have voted for the awards on our Instagram. 
Well, obviously, we did unfortunately give away one where Spunkphone was voted as the, the podcast legend of the year, which is just a disgrace. Obviously, it should be either me or you, Steve, because we are the backbone of Gigafod. But no, next week, the awards episode will be sensational. We'll give our awards like as well, and we'll read out the fan results as well, so you can judge who was right and who was wrong. It's me that's right most of the time. And even more excitingly, we've got a, a special guest coming on the pod next month. I'll maybe make it a surprise for the listeners, but here's a clue. He has been on GigPod before, and he was at Celtic Park recently at halftime, being a, a World Cup winning hero that he is. So there's a really forward in a couple of weeks. But no, next week we'll be back with the award show extravaganza with me, Stephen Spunkphone, in person, which is going to be just ridiculous, no doubt. Coming from a pub somewhere, but hopefully we'll be able to hear us. We'll, uh, we'll sort that out, that'll be fine. So, you know where to find us by now on all the usual podcast platforms. You can give us reviews and ratings are good, and we've got we've been getting loads and loads of reviews and downloads now, which is fantastic. You can follow Stevie on Twitter at GigPod, follow him on Instagram at GigPod, where his uh, videos that he's been doing have been excellent, and no doubt he'll do more whenever some exciting happens at Celtic. Right, so we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks everybody for listening, and hail hail. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.